If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here today. Glad you're here. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 5. Uh, I'll, but I want to just give some notice here to some very special people that are with us today. Family of Jeremiah Land, his parents, Kevin and Edie, and his brother, Jonathan, are here from Lake Charles, Louisiana. And uh, would, can you guys wave so we can see you? Good to see you all. Glad you're here with us today. And uh, God bless you. And we also have <clears throat> another special guest from West Texas. All the way back there. Are you back there? I can't see before the lights. There she is. Kayla's mother. Lou is with us today. Miss Griffith. Won't you stand up, Miss Lou? Let everybody see you. Miss Lou's here from San Angelo, Texas. Um, out of our, our home church, Tree of Life Church. And uh, it's good to have you with us, all of you. Actually, I'm kind of glad all of you are here today. Got somebody to preach to. Lynn Brown, it's good to see you, man. Glad you're here. Lynn's been down in Houston working and wherever else he's been, and he's back home with us today. And has brought his wife with him, too. Good to see you. Amen. Everybody all right? Yeah. Yes. So uh, Jeremiah tells me this mortician asked this guy if he uh, would like to buy a coffin. And the guy says, no, that's the last thing I need. He's learning. First John 5. Now, I'm, we've been in a series, His Love Never Fails. And uh, I've been really enjoying this series, but I'm going to interrupt it for a few weeks and get back to it after Easter. Um, Eric, Pastor Eric and I, who is our kids' pastor, we, we are, we've come together uh, to do a series of promises the next few Sundays that we're going to correlate with our kids' church. How many of you have kids in kids' church in here? All right, good. So I want you to discuss the message that we're doing over the next few weeks. Bring, up, bring it up in conversation because they're going to do the same message that we're doing. All right? So uh, you can learn how they learned what they learned, and they can learn how you learned what you learned. I just want you the next few weeks just to strike up conversation concerning the Word. Talk to your kids about it. And uh, this, this time of year, it's, uh, we're in Lent. Anybody, anybody ever practice Lent? Here, he ate fish on Fridays and gave up something for Lent. Well, Jesus, because he is the ultimate sacrifice and did all the sacrifice necessary for us to have a relationship with God, we're going to talk about God's promises. And we're going to talk about his, some major promises over the next few Sundays uh, that have been given to us by our God that we access these things and live in the reality of these promises by faith in him. All right? So we're going to talk about today the promise of victory. The promise of, you know, God has promised you and I victory. In every area of our lives, in every situation, that we can win every time. That's his nature. That is his spirit in us. He's made us, the scripture says, more than what? More than conquerors. I mean, being a conqueror is good, but how do you become more than a conqueror? How is it that you become more than a conqueror? Well... You remember when Mike Tyson was ruling and reigning in the boxing ring? When he um, made however millions of dollars from a fight, 
he was a conqueror when he beat the other guy, knocked him out most of the time. I think almost every time he knocked him out, usually in the first round. He had that multi-million dollar check. He got home to his lovely little wife. She holds her hand out. He places the check in her hand. He's a conqueror, but she is more than a conqueror. <laughs> Jesus did all the fighting, all the winning for you, and has given you the victory. Made you more than conquerors, you who love him. Hallelujah. So, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whatever, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Everybody say, has overcome. All right, has overcome the world. Our faith, what your faith did when you believed God, it, it, it was retroactive. It took you all the way to the beginning because before sin was, there was a Savior. Before sickness was, there was a healer. All right? So it took you right into the reality of all God is. Hallelujah. So that no matter what you face, it's subject to the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. So though trouble is here and it will come, Jesus warned us of that. In this world you will have trouble, but he didn't just leave us with bad news. He said, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. There is no circumstance you can come into that you can't win. There's no battle that you come into that you cannot overcome the enemy, overcome the challenge, move the mountain. He's given you the victory. And it, that victory is called faith. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. The very next verse, verse 5 says, Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, if you are here today and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, can I just see your hand right quick? If you, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, all right? So that also means that you are also born of God, does it not? Anybody here born of God, Okay. So then, you are right now, as you're seated here in this room, there's also another reality in the Spirit, that you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is the highest seat of authority and victory that you could possibly be in. All right? Next to Jesus means you win. And that the fact that God is on your side means you win. All right? So, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is born of God, and whoever is born of God overcomes and has overcome the world by faith. We get this? You got that? All right. So faith is the victory. Say that with me. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Now, I want you to jump over to James chapter 1 for a moment now. James chapter 1. And um, we're going to look at what James speaks of concerning the Word of God. James 1, verse 22. But be doers... Of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that is the word of God, and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer. In other words, the word doesn't come in one ear and go out the other, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. In other words, what this is saying is that when you look into the scripture, which is your mirror as a believer, it's on, don't, you, don't you love the mirror? It's so brutally honest. The older I get, the more I don't really like it. Because the first thing that you notice are the things that are wrong with your body. A new wrinkle, a new mark, spot, a new hair sprouting where hair shouldn't sprout. A little bit more muffin in the muffin top. Things are not as they once were. I was telling the earlier service, you know, the more HD TV we get, the less I like TV. It's too real. I mean, these people, I don't want to see all that. Put that filter back on. Put that filter back on. Airbrush that person. All right? I don't want to look at somebody that looks like me. It's just too realistic. But we look into the Word of God. The Word of God is a mirror so that when you look into the Word of God, you really find out what you look like. You really find out who you really are. All right? But if you look into the Word of God, you hear it and then go away, and it, it's only just come to your ears and not down into your heart, then you really can't experience its truth. You really can't experience its reality and the life that Jesus came to give us through His promises. There's, there, the truth is what makes us free, the knowledge, actually, of the truth is what makes us free. Truth doesn't set everybody free. Otherwise, I think by now, everybody would be saved. If truth just set everybody free. I mean, how many people have heard the gospel and continued to not believe? They had to know that truth for themselves. You have to know that truth for yourselves. And when you know that truth, when you've taken it into your life, and knowing it means believing it, you've believed it, then you can ha, experience the power of that word. Oh, Josh Munger, can you come up here for just a moment, my friend? I probably should have asked you to before if I could do this, but so be nice to me. Now, come over here, man. This is what I want to look like. I like this. All right? So I want you to stand right here, all right, for just a moment, because of if I'm, if I'm thinking of what is good and right in the way a man looks, I, I think of you, Josh. So when I look into the Word of God and I see what it says I am, it looks like Josh. <laughs> but then I go, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hmm, well, Lord, your mirror is a tricky mirror. I think that's one of those uh, circus mirrors where it makes me look one. It says I look one way, but I know what I really look like. So when I look at this, you say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am strong in the Lord and that, that his grace abounds to me and I am healed and I am blessed and I am blessed to be a blessing. But then I look at 
kind of where I'm really living. Come on, talk to me here. Because sometimes, sometimes we, we, we buy into this, this lie as Christians that, well, I live in the real world. This faith stuff is, you know, whatever. It's fantasy. When actually faith is our reality as believers. And, and the word of God is truth besides, despite the circumstances and our, and our own experience. But it's going to take faith for us to access that power into our life and to look into that mirror and say, if that's who I am, if that's who God says I am, if this, then I want to reflect that. I, that's what I want. This is what I want to look like. Hallelujah. Amen. But too many times we draw the contrast rather than see the likeness. We look at the flaws. We look at the trouble. And, that's, and I have to say that a lot of that has come because there have been really poor teachers in the pulpits. All right? And, and, and the church has been duped out of the truth and duped out of the power of our salvation, the power of the blood of Jesus and what it has done for us. Thank you. Love you, man. You know, I, actually, I could get used to that guy just standing up here, and I'll just look at him while I preach. <laughs> this says that the Word is a mirror. It is who you really are. Now, where we've gone wrong is that we've bought into some religious ideas, okay? Some religious thoughts that aren't scriptural, but yet have a certain, well... It's a false humility, but it looks like humility. Right? It makes the flesh feel good to say it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. It makes the flesh feel good to say that. I'm just a sinner. And it, and it looks like, it sounds like it's a humble confession, but it's really a God-awful confession. It's not even scriptural. All right? We need to think about the things that we allow to come out of our mouth and the things that we identify with. Think about it for just a moment. I'm a sinner saved by grace. In other words, what I am saying is I'm saved. Jesus, Jesus shed blood for me. But he really just kind of covered the surface. But who I really am is a sinner. That way I've got excuses for my weakness and I can continue to sin and I can continue to stumble and then just chalk it up as, well, we're all sinners. Rather than take my rightful place, position of victory. That God has given us the victory. You believe that today? Go to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a moment. We're going to walk through a little bit of scripture. All right, stay with me. This is good stuff. This is a really good teaching. It is. This will set you free. It really will. Uh, where did I say to go? Hebrews 10, verse 1. Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Now what he's talking about, the sacrifices he's talking about, he's talking about Judaism. And what they did was, was they sacrificed many, 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 many animals, shed lots of blood, so uh, as to somewhat appease God's wrath, really all that blood did was just kept God from killing people. 
All right? And they offered those sacrifices, that lamb's blood, who was a shadow of the, the blood that was to come and take away sin. But this blood could only do so much for these people. It could cover up the matter, but it couldn't cleanse the worshiper. It could cover up, and, and, and God would just kind of overlook their sin because of that blood, but they had to keep doing it over and over and over again. It really couldn't fix the problem, all right? Look at verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. In other, in other words, what that's saying is that if enough blood had been shed by these animals through this through this. Um, these sacrifices, if enough blood had been shed and finally the worship, it, to where it perfected the worship or cleansed them, well, then the sacrifices wouldn't be necessary anymore and then they would have no more consciousness of sin. Remember that. Keep going. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So because they're continually seeing blood being covering up their sins, they're reminded of their weaknesses. They're reminded of their failure. They're reminded of their separation, their, their, their own failures. And that's as good as it gets under the Old Covenant. That's as good as it gets. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. All it could do was cover. All it could do was cover. All it could do was cover. That's it. Couldn't fix what was really the problem. The problem was not the actions of man. It was the condition of man. Man's actions were predicated upon his condition. And our condition was that of sin. That of lost in our sins. But Jesus didn't become a sinner. He became sin. So that our condition could change, therefore our actions could change. You're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because you're born. And you're not righteous because you do righteous things. You're righteous because you're born again. Hallelujah. It's not possible the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. However, it is possible that Jesus' blood took away sins. Isn't it? Verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Keep going. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. God knew that this was not fixing the problem. He had no pleasure in that. He had no pleasure. This, is not, this was not his design. This is not what... What he wanted. He didn't want the people just, just to be happy to just be covered up by blood, just, just to be in somewhat good graces with God and to be continually reminded of their shortcomings. Next. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Eight. Previously saying, Sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Nine. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Keep going. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Ready? Once for all. Did you catch that? His one body, his one sacrifice, we now, 
have been sanctified through that once for all. Keep going. Verse 11, this is good. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. It's telling us again, he's reiterating again, this blood could not take away sins. The blood of these animals couldn't. And so the priest's job was never done. He had to stand daily all day long and make these sacrifices for the people. Next, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins for how long? Forever sat down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Jesus signifying, let's go to verse 13, from that time waiting till his enemies are his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering... He has perfected forever. Those, those sacrifices of the animals, it says if, they, if it could make them perfect, they would no longer need to do the sacrifices and there would be no more consciousness of sins because there's not the repeated sacrifice. This once for all sacrifice, Jesus did that and sat down signifying as our high priest that it's done. Sin has not been covered. Sin has been taken away. Why in the world do the people of God have consciousness of sin? That's my question. If we've been perfected, if we've been perfected, how is it that we continue to think about sin? Because we've bought into the lie that we're just sinners saved by grace. And we've taken on an Old Testament, Old Covenant mentality in a New Testament age. And, and, and lost out on victory that was rightfully ours and, and thought that maybe we brought it upon ourselves and we deserved it because after all we are sinners saved by grace so then we just kind of take life as it comes to us rather than take our stand in victory and say no 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 he's given me the victory no 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 this is not this is not God's will I know Jesus paid too dear a price I was in this uh I was invited by a man uh, when we were downtown um, years ago. There's a man in our church by the name of Bud Alexander. And Bud would always come up and see me at the office, and we'd talk Bible and stuff. And he, uh, he, had, he had asked me to go with him to his house. He lived out near Princeton this time. And on his property, he had a trailer house where he would rent out to people from time to time. Well, he had a man living there, and he told me, I need you to come with me. I want to I, I witness to this man. He's really got a lot of trouble. And I said, sure, I'll go with you. So I jumped in Bud's pickup with him. We went out there and got up to the trailer house, knocked on the door, and <laughs> the man opens the door. And, and immediately, now I'm, I'm usually not all that astute or, or aware about, well, anything, really. Uh, that, that's why I have this woman here. She helps me read situations a lot better because I'm like, really? I had no idea. I, really? You know. Truth truth. But I was fully aware that this man had some problems. The moment he opened the door and he had this, what do you want? Like, bud, 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 bud wants to talk to you. I, it, I mean, it was scary. He had a really crazy look in his eyes. And so bud begins to, to get around to talking to him about the gospel. And this man had no interest in what he had to say. I mean, immediately it was just resistance so while they're doing whatever they're doing I'm kind of looking into the house and because the smell that came out of the house when he opened the door was well it was something you don't really want to smell very often or ever and there were there were cats all over the place now I'm not a cat lover I am a cat hater for the most part 
I'd go the opposite, except for Smokey. Smokey was awesome. Stephen used to have a three-legged cat named Smokey. We liked Smokey. But I, and, and they're just kind of all over the place, you know, and I'm like, oh, man. So I look into the house. I'm looking down the hallway, and on his floor, I'm like, what is that? And it took me a second to realize what was going on, is that this, this man, the, the man had painted the floor. The carpeted floor. Painted. Just rolled paint over his carpet to cover up the cat mess that was there. And just, just painted the floor. Got him a new floor. The layer of paint. I'm looking at that going, that's what a sinner saved by grace looks like. He covered me up, made me look good, but man down the inside... I am who I am, you know, I can't deny who or what I am. This is sinner saved by grace after all. What a sad, 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 sad reality. When he's done so much more for us than that. I look into the perfect law of liberty, I look in the mirror, and the mirror says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ because he made him who knew no sin become sin for you. Ooh. I need, to, I need to park there and just look, look at myself a little bit more like in that light, don't I? That's what God has said. That's what the mirror is telling me. I need to accept what the mirror is telling me. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 now. I hope you're getting something out of this today. This is blessing you. I love the Word. Love the Word of God. 1 John chapter 3. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he might, did he might do it or did he do it? He did it. That might does not mean maybe he possibly could. All right? <laughs> he did it. Whoever has been born of God. Now let me see all the hands of those who have been born of God. Right quick. Okay, hold, hold it up for just a moment. All right? Does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. Now, come on. Because he has been born of God. Now, again, I look at this, this mirror, and I go, oh, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. Wait a second. My experience is different than that. Raise your hand again if you're born of God. All right, now raise your hand if, as a child of God, you've been born of God, you've sinned. Have you? Have you? Because I, yeah, I see, see, see the wrestling match that we're in here? I mean, and he, he cannot sin. When I read that for the first time, he cannot sin, I said, yes, I can. <laughs> Welcome to Eric Holler, God. You hope you shouldn't see me coming before you wrote that. You say, I cannot sin, and I tell you, I not only can, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> how does it, how does it, what, what audacity is this verse of scripture? He cannot sin. He does not sin, whoever's been born of God. So you know what it made me do then? It made me question my born again experience. It made me go, well, maybe, maybe I'm not actually saved then if, I'm still, if I can still sin. And that's the wrong direction to go. 
Rather than retreat, you need to step into this liberty and understand something. What we identify with too often is this flesh. And we think who we are is what we see in this natural mirror. We identify with that way too much rather than this reality. Cannot sin. Well, this right here, this chunk of flesh here, is not born of God. This is born of Mary Pilate, his mother. That which is born of God is the spirit. And your spirit then does not sin. And your spirit cannot sin because his seed remains there. Now, we need to change our focus and set our sights on who we really are now. It's more than what we're seeing here. You're more than what you see. Are you hearing me? You're more than what you look at in this mirror. When you look into that mirror, that's who you really are. The Word of God, when you see that, oh, there's more to me than what I know, than what I experience, than what I feel, than what I think. There's a lot more to me. Now, what's the other scripture I was going to go to, Jonah? I'm supposed to read my mind. Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans chapter 7. Thank you. <laughs> Romans 7. Oh, this is good. This is good. So, I'm... So being sinner, a sinner is one thing. Being saved by grace is a whole other reality. All right? It's something completely different. He took us from sinners to saints, to dead, to from dead to alive, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from slaves of sin to sons of God. Romans 7 and verse 18 says, For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. I'm grateful for this chapter in the Bible because when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think this man is awesome. I mean, he's awesome. My dad says he believes he's the greatest Christian that ever walked the earth. I, I don't really have any grounds to argue with that. I mean, he did write two-thirds of the New Testament and, and went through the kinds of things he did, but he's a man. And so he's showing us here the struggle in this human form. For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. Anybody live long enough to know that that's true, that your flesh don't want to please God? I've told you this before. If you ever have trouble sleeping at night, open your Bible and start reading. You will fall asleep faster than you can think. Or just open it, just start praying. You will just fall asleep. Your flesh does not want to do that. It wants to please itself. It doesn't want to be nice. It doesn't want to say nice things. It doesn't want to share with others. For I know that in me that is in my place nothing good was for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your humanity here. All right, verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Man, this guy's like right in my living room right now. <laughs> now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it. Now this is one of those. What did he just say? But sin that dwells in me. Sounds like a cop out to me. Could you imagine using this verse whenever you got in trouble as a kid? Mom, it's no longer I who do it. That's sin that's dwelling in me. 
My mother wasn't going to fall for that. She wouldn't have fallen for that. I don't care who it was. Bend over. <laughs> now, if I do what I will not, it's no longer I. Listen, Paul is teaching us something about who we really are. And who we really are is not that guy in the flesh. It's not me. I'm making a separation. Of this is sin that dwells in me. That's not who I am. I'm not identifying with being a sinner. Verse 21 If I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Imagine that. You want to do good? Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God or in the word of God according to the inward man. Who I really am is this reborn spirit. Who I really am is this righteousness of God in Christ. But I'm struggling against this flesh. I want to do the right thing, but my flesh is fighting me on every corner. It's working against me. I found out that there's this law then that evil's present with me <sighs> the one who wants to do good yeah. so I'm going to I'm gonna have to do something about that first I have to make the separation that this is not me that the inward man is really me so that when I make that separation then I'm going to have to make some changes how do I make a change how is it then I can live according to the spirit according to the inward man when I've got so much fighting to do with this flesh because the spirit says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these two are contrary to one another Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, he's talking about the flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. And he's talking about the fleshly man who will deliver me from this body of death. The spirit, the spirit is crying out for the full redemption it's crying out for the full redemption because it has been perfected forever, but this body ain't there yet. Now, there's coming a day when we're going to receive our new body, our glorified body, and it's going to be the full impact of your salvation, spirit, soul, and body. So one part of you, the real you right now, is perfect. Won't you say Just say this with me. I am perfect. I am perfect. Say it again. I am Tell your spouse that if you're sitting by your spouse. See, now they laughed at you. Because they live with you. They know, I know you better than that. It's fine in church you can say that, but at home. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Can we go on to Romans 8 for just a moment? I'm almost through. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here we go, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. What law is he talking about? You may know what law Paul's referring to here. What law is he talking about? Somebody just say it. The Mosaic law, ultimately the law of God, right? Check this out. For what the law of God could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now let me say this. If the law of God, I mean, would you say that that's a perfect law? If the law of God is weak through the flesh, it cannot accomplish righteousness. It cannot accomplish holiness for the one who adheres to it for in that it is weak through the flesh 
how in the world do you think your personal rules and regulations are going to do any better if the law of God is weak in the flesh? God did. Here we go. God did. What the law couldn't do, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Woo, this is good. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. In other words, you obey this thing to the nth degree, and Jesus did. It was actually, I mean, no man had done it at that point, and Jesus did. He lived perfectly, and he fulfilled the law. And once the law is fulfilled, hallelujah, the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled where? In us. In us. It was, it was fulfilled in us. How? Because we're in him. So now the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. It's done. See, he got credited with your disobedience and you got credited with his obedience. I like that deal. I'll take that exchange any day of the week. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. This is where we live right here. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. What it comes down to are the choices that you make. You're going to live by the flesh because you choose to. You're going to live by the Spirit because you choose to. I wish, I wish it could be a little bit easier. I mean, when I was growing up, my Pentecostal experience, I always like, was like amazed when people go, I couldn't help it. The Spirit just got all over me. I'm like, man, like he just took control of you? I, I wish that he would do that for me sometimes because I can be really stupid. Then I found out they were just being dumb. That God was not going to invade his, his law of me choosing. He gave me a free will. He's not going to just come and just take over me. Unless I choose for him to. Unless I choose. I would like to give something else the credit for the way I act, but it has, according to that, it's, it's by my choice. So we've got to change the way we think. We have to identify with who we are by what the Word of God says. Look into that honest mirror and believe what God has said. So that when you believe it, you can begin to live it. And how are you going to live it? Because you're going to say it. And your life will follow your words. Your life will follow your words. Your words are a pathway to your life. They are a pathway that leads your life. Are you hearing me today? Your words are a pathway that leads your life. The same spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We also have the same spirit of faith as it is written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith is then believing and speaking. Say it. Faith is believing and speaking. Your declaration is your faith in action. Your speaking the word of God is your faith in action. It comes by hearing and you release it by your speaking. 
All right? So when you speak the word of God, you lay out the pathway. You, you, it's the building material for the future that you're coming into. You don't like where you are right now? Say what God has said. Declare something new. Declare the word of God so that you can, that word can become flesh and you can live in its full manifestation. That's why we need to know the promises of God so that we can declare the promises of God so that when we find ourselves in loss, when we find ourselves defeated, we can say, no, thanks be to God who gives me the victory. I choose victory. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know, I don't know what, uh, how, how this is going to all turn out, but I do know him, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I am fully persuaded that God is able to perform that which he promised. That's all I need to know is that God is on my side. He's given me the victory. He is for me, and because of that, I will win. I will overcome. I will come out on top in Jesus' name. All right? Because he's made you that way. He has seated you in the heavenly places. Seated you there. He took you from last place all the way to first place. Amen. All the way to first. If you're seated next to Jesus, you're in first place. All right? Oh, man. That's good stuff. So, how is it? That we can win. It's a good fight of faith, the scripture says. It's a good fight of faith. It's a good fight of faith. So since you have the victory, it's already been established, and faith has put you in the position that has overcome the world, how is it that you can access then? How is it that you have the victory? How, how does that happen? Well, you got to fight. you got to fight. You're going to have to tell this flesh, no, you're going to obey me. I choose to believe what God has said. I choose to say what God has said and then begin to experience it. Because, like I said, it, it is a fixed fight because Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil, as we read earlier, but we still got to show up for the fight. I was telling Jeremiah's family yesterday, I'll finish with this, I was, that, that when I was in private school, we went to um, a state competition and, 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 uh, and competed in track and field and other things like that. And uh, it was something that, you know, it was some kind of athletic uh, out, outlet for us uh, because, you know, little private school, we didn't have much of a program that way. And, uh, but we were going to run. Were you in that mile relay? Or were you were a sprinter? We were going to run the mile relay. We had entered the, the mile relay. We actually had a pretty good track team. And this year, for some reason, no other school entered into the mile relay. We were the only ones. So we automatically get the trophy after we run the race. I already had it, but we still had to run. Now, I thank God that I, hopefully most of you haven't ever seen me run because it's, God did not make me to look good when I run. I mean, some guys, I'm like, ah, not Eric Collar. I look like a doofus, man. I look like, I'm the fourth stooge when I start running, all right? All the sound effects happen and everything. It's a whole show. And they put me in this race. And if you know anything about the mile relay, it's four laps, and you got four guys in the race, and each guy takes a lap. So you can imagine the humiliation as all these other schools are setting up in the stands, and I, the lone runner, <laughs> running around the track. It was the longest lap I've ever taken in my life. But it was a fixed race. We already had the prize. You just had to run. You already win. You just got to fight. 
And God has given you every key, every resource of victory. He's given you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's given you that shield of faith. Hallelujah. And you are able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one with that. That Word of God is the highest authority. So it doesn't matter what report man says. The highest authority is God's Word. His Word trumps all of them. And you can bring what His Word has said right into your situation. His Word is established forever in heaven, the Scripture says. There, it's, it's established, it's done, it's over, it's already done. That, and, and so we see wherever in the atmosphere where the Word of God is established, His will is fully accomplished. That's why heaven has no lack, no death, no, no loss. Are you hearing me? No grieving, none of that is there. Why? Because the Word of God is fully established. But it's not fully established here on earth. We have to do that here. All right? And heaven is the pattern. That's why you cannot accept anything other than what God, God's will is. You know what God's full will is when you look at heaven. So then you can know what God's will is, so you can know how to pray. You can know that you have the victory. You, know, you can know that God has called you to be healed. You can know that he gives you life and that more abundantly. You can know that you are righteous. You can know that you are right with God. You can know that you have peace because that's how it is there. And you're going to have to get it in your mouth to get it established in here on this earth in your own life. Take your rightful place in victory. It has been paid for. It's only right that you take it. It's only right that you receive it. It's only right that you stand in it. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke of bondage is rules and regulations. Stand fast in the liberty where he has made you free. Be free to be who you are and do what you do. Hallelujah. Can we bow our heads for just a moment today? Father, thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you for the promise of victory that you have secured victory for us so that we will not be persuaded by the things that we see and hear or experience on the earth as our final end. The scripture says that we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporary or subject to change. The things that are not seen are eternal. And our victory is eternal. Lord, I pray for these who are struggling today. Those who are in a difficult situation. Those who are fighting. Lord, those who are hurting, grieving. Those who feel lost today, I pray today that hope, hope, God, would rise in their hearts. Faith would rise in their hearts to grab a hold of the victory that they have in you. That faith, Lord, would overtake their whole being, even now, God, that unbelief and doubt would scatter and flee and that faith would rise and they would be determined to have what God says they can have. Victory. God is able. And not only is He able, He's also willing. And it's one thing to know that God can. But it's so much better to know that he will. He both can and will, and he will for you. He loves you that much that he will do it for you. What is it that you're needing today? 
What is it that you have need of? Just tell him. Your heavenly Father loves you. He knows what you have need of before you even ask. But he gave us this promise. Ask, you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Maybe you're here today, and you need to make some changes in your life. You've been identifying too much in the flesh and not in the spirit. You've not been giving yourself a chance, not being led by the spirit. And so it's brought trouble in your life. It's caused you to get caught up in sin and failure. It's caused you to think of yourself poorly. It's caused you to carry a lot of guilt and shame. But today, by faith, with every head bowed for just a moment, I want you to just acknowledge today, between me and you and God, that you are choosing, choosing to be who you really are. You're setting your mind on the Word of God and believing what He has said above anything that you have experienced up until this moment. Today, you just need to make that change. Just, would you just raise your hand where you are? I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for these who are here today who are just setting a signpost, making a, a landmark moment here in their life, Lord, where, where they will no longer be where they once were. But today, they're making a choice, a choice for good, a choice for right, a choice to really be honest, and that is simply to be who the Bible says they are, to believe you, to not be caught up in the things of this world, be caught up in this flesh, but to be led by the Spirit. Thank you for your grace that abounds to them. And I just declare over them from this day on, from this day on, they will take what you come to give them. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. That the burden of guilt and shame will be removed from them even now. Even now. And whatever trouble they have found themselves in, Father God, you were there before that trouble. In the beginning, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a very present help in time of need. So we come boldly to you before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.